When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. From the Whiskey 61 Lounge inside the Bank Plus Studio. You are listening to Mississippi's number one sports talk show, The Out of Bounds Show with Bo Bounds. Streaming worldwide live on the Out of Bounds Radio app and on your radio at ESPN 105.9. The Soul. Kansas City Chiefs with the repeat. And the uh, first one. Since 2004-5, New England Patriots. Good morning. Welcome in. We are the Out of Bounds Show. I'm your host, Bo Bounds. This is ESPN 105.9 The Zone. Super Bowl Monday. Uh, we're still asking you, you know, what your favorite food and beverage was yesterday. And some of you are weighing in on the game. For example, Travis Kelsey. Um, getting into it. Well, actually, Andy Reid didn't even get into it with him. So it was so quick hit that it wasn't really an altercation because Andy just moved on. He didn't engage, mm-hmm. um, which I think there was something to that. If if he would have engaged, then it would have been more to it. But y'all are asking about it. So we'll we'll drop a little audio from Travis Kelsey on in the moment, biggest game of the year. He wasn't on the field. He's mad. The Chiefs fumble. The 49ers recover, and he gets into it with Andy Reid. Are you, I mean, I didn't expect anything to happen. I mean, first of all, he's a veteran. Uh, second, he's, I don't even know if you can argue it, the greatest player at his position. I mean, did you think Andy was going to ha- sit sit down and have a talk with him? I mean, guys, this isn't high school <laughs> sports. I, I, yeah, I don't know what... Uh, Jason tried to compare it to college. You can't compare the pros to college at all. And so, like, nothing about it surprised me. Andy looked, stumbled a little bit, looked at him, and moved on. And, you know, so it wasn't it wasn't an altercation. Show is brought to you by the Amazing Steaks, Bourbon, and Wine, Kessler Prime and the Renaissance, KesslerPrime.com, to make a reservation. All right, here we go. Let's, let's drop this audio right here. This is Kelsey. Travis Kelsey, baby, tied in for the Chiefs, talks about his argument with the legendary Hall of Famer, and his head coach, Andy Reid. I mean, was it, hey, I need the ball, I can help us win? What was that about? Uh, man, it was, uh, I'm going I'm to keep it between us unless my mic'd up tells the world, but uh, I was just telling them how much I love them. <laughs> um, do y'all remember when, and most of you don't, and that's understandable, but 100 years ago, let's just say it was 30 years ago, when they asked Jimmy Johnson, 
who was the head football coach for the Dallas Cowboys. They said, Jimmy, and I love this because this is what people in a, a large uh, percentage of people in society want. They went, did you treat Troy Aikman and Emmett Smith and Michael Urban like everybody else? And he laughed for a while and he went, no. In other <laughs> words, your stars in your company, your law firm, your wherever, I'm sorry, they get treated different. It's just the way it is. And Travis Kelsey, I mean, he wasn't going to miss a play because of it. No. Um, he's not. If he's got the legs and the stuff to come back for another year, even though he's 33, will be 34 next year, it's not like they're going to move off. Of, well, I don't even know his contractual stuff. But anyway, the point is, it won't be because of the altercation, Jason. But I think we wanted to make a big deal out of it. Well, of course. But, but did you listen to Travis Kelsey? He was like, there wasn't anything to it. I got another question. How many of Taylor Swift's groupies are becoming even more popular? Because we never saw them. I never saw Taylor Swift, really, until this football season. Because mm-hmm. I just wasn't paying attention. But how many of her friends or groupies are becoming stars? Well, last You know night- you're going to have a couple of Instagram stars out of that. Oh, no doubt. But she also has been with... And should they be better looking? I'm going by... Some of this is text. <laughs> some of this is scuttlebutt discussion out in the ether and social media. Uh, well, I mean, Brittany Mahomes has already gotten crazy popular. One, I, I get it. Patrick Mahomes' wife. And there's a lot of people talking about, like, you know, how she acts at games and what she posts on the internet, that sort of thing. Yeah. But then when you put her next to Taylor Swift, like they have, say, against Buffalo... Like, at Buffalo, she was right next to Taylor Swift the whole time. So when Taylor got camera time, she got a ton of camera time. This time, it was Blake Lively, who is the wife of Ryan Reynolds, the the actor. And he's also bought into um, soccer and also he's got him a a private equity group that Mm -hmm. is crushing it. Go ahead. Uh, And so yesterday, it was his wife, Blake Lively, next to her, and then this... uh, this rapper, this woman rapper, Ice Spice, which is pretty funny because she's like the exact opposite spectrum from Taylor Swift. Okay. You know, she's all about like shaking your booty and, and that sort of thing. And Taylor's having a movie in a theater for 12-year-olds <laughs> of her concert. You know what I mean? So like completely different things, but there definitely is a whole spectrum around getting famous being next to Taylor Swift. Well, and, and today, I think it's always been this way. Um. For decades, but because of our exposure to them, I mean, you read the book on Sinatra, they were hanging out with people from all walks of life who were famous, okay? Mm-hmm. But you just didn't see people in 1960-whatever, 70-whatever, right? Now, you see this big gumbo of stars, different genres, all walks of life, but we actually get to see it every day on TikTok and Instagram and whatever else. Yeah, and also, I mean, while you're players, uh, you know you're a different level of fame when... Wait till the ratings hit. Go ahead. Yeah, I can't wait for that. But also, whenever there's multiple commercials with you in it and you're in the game, like Travis Kelsey's in the game and he's also in the commercials. Yeah. This dude, I mean, I get it. You love football. You've played your entire life. But do you want to keep getting hit in the head or do you want to make your check off the field, do a podcast, do some more commercials for oh. Campbell Soup and get out of here with 100 mil more? That, uh, more than that, <laughs> but I see where you're going. That, you know? that is a great question as to can what Kelsey, how, how much longer 
can he play at the level that he wants to play at? That is a good question, especially considering how effective he was and how good he was last night. Yeah. Is there anything he needs to, like, is the name he's trying to surpass Rob Gronkowski? And if so, what does he have to do in order to pass that? Has he already done it? Has he already done it? I mean, Rob's got four. Rob had four Super Bowls. But is, it, is it just about, is that where we are? I mean, have we done this thing down post-Jordan to where it's just all about titles? I like, don't know. Like, like if, if, if somebody has four and somebody has three, the guy who has three, even though he may be better because it's so much of supporting cast and general manager and head coach and this, that, and the other, is that, I don't know, is that where we are? I mean, I think it's a big criteria now because that's the big argument, say, when it comes to the biggest sports figures, uh, Michael Jordan and LeBron James, you know, they talk about the average of wins that you had every time you got to the finals or every time you got to the Super Bowl. Okay. I mean, that's the biggest argument. So I think that carries into other things. But I just use it as, you know, because Rob was excellent. Rob had, you know, obviously the greatest quarterback of all time. And then Travis Kelsey has a dude who's making a claim for it. And he's also one of the greatest tight ends of all time. So I feel like that's one of the only good ways to compare it. And then again, Rob retired early. True. So is Kelsey going to take that route, get into the hemp company like Gronkowski did, the CBD and that sort of thing, and then also started doing some commentating? Kelsey would kill it at commentating, and he wouldn't even have to. Yeah, well, it, their their podcast is already number one, number two, or number three in the in the in the country every day. Mm-hmm. So he's already he's already in that uh, that space of broadcasting. Good questions. Okay. Uh, the Ag Up Equipment Text Line, 601-885-3776. Twitter X at Bo Bounds. And the Michelob Ultra Caller Line is 601-707-3750. So, should we ask our listeners who's better, Kelsey or Gronk? Mm-hmm. Or is it no answer? Ooh. They're both just great. Yeah, but what fun is that? Okay. Come on. One's got to be better. Who do you go with? I would probably go... I'd probably go with Kelsey, honestly. I I mean, Gronk is absolute unit, but I think I might go with Kelsey because he's more of a receiver. Okay. All right. But he doesn't have the Lombardis as many. That's true. All right. Yet. Jeff Duncan, NOLA.com at 830. Dan Fouts, former San Diego Charger. Jason, not LA Charger. At 9.30. (laughs) Jason asked me, is Travis Kelsey loading up for an Antonio Brown meltdown? No. Oh, come on. No. Humor me here. No. You sure? Well, uh, no, I'm positive. That's not happening. Nobody cares. They won. He was one of the stars at the end of the game. And um, that was a dominating drive, wasn't it? To wrap Mm -hmm. it up. Yeah. You had the feeling, though, didn't you? Oh, absolutely. When when San Francisco, one, missed the PAT, also muffed the punt. So the advantage to the Chiefs on the... On special teams, even though we had two record-breaking field goals in the game, right? Yeah, one didn't one didn't last long. Um, 
you know, Moody, 55 yards, and then Harrison Butker. What a what a name. Uh, 57-yard field goal. Didn't even last two quarters. But you, you had the... You got the sense that when San Fran went down and kicked the field goal, it just wasn't enough. Did you think that's what I thought? Oh, yeah. No, it's the same feeling as you remember when Mahomes and Josh Allen were in that battle in the AFC Championship, and then whenever the Chiefs got the ball first, you're like, well, that's it. Like, he's going to score a touchdown, they're going to win. Because that's how it's been. Right. It wasn't really like that yesterday. All day, like, Mahomes wasn't having his way with that defense. It was... They were struggling. So many field goals in that game. And then, but you knew when it comes down to it, you give Mahomes enough time, which he had all the time in the world. Yeah. He could have read a book and then still thrown a touchdown pass and would have been fine. Yeah. And that 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 last play where he threw the touchdown, the guy was wide open. Again, that's Andy Reid. But go ahead. And plus he did it with, look, all NFL players are, it's crazy that you made it there, but he did it with no names. <laughs> like, with not the biggest names in the world, like he he's had way better receivers in the past. He has, but he still had the greatest, according to you in the last segment, and I agree with you, the greatest mm-hmm. tight end of all time. Oh, yeah. yeah. And maybe the greatest play caller as a coach on the offensive side of the football Ooh, and of all time in Andy Reid. And then what you say is could be the greatest coordinator in the playoffs ever. Defensive coordinator Steve Spagnola, who just won his fourth Lombardi as a D coordinator. I think we got to remember that when we're talking about Mahomes. Greatest tight end ever. Andy Reid's going to be in the top five. Mm-hmm. And Spagnola, best defensive coordinator, post postseason defensive coordinator in the history of the league. We'll have Jeff Duncan coming up next, who's covered the Saints, among other teams, when they won the Lombardi Trophy. Um, oh, you want to switch gears and talk a little football? Of course. On the SEC side? Yeah. Come on. FanDuel dropped uh, total wins over under for the SEC. Did you see it? I did not. Ole Miss, nine and a half. Mississippi State, four and a half. Mississippi State, four and a half? Give me the over on that. You going over for the dogs? I'll take over for the dogs. Let's go dogs and Rebs over. Rebs National Championship. I think last time I checked, the Rebs National Championship was like plus 1,400, something crazy like that. I'll take it. Throw 1,000 on it. Throw 1,000 on it. You should do that. And then put in my two weeks after it hits. Well, (laughs) I wouldn't blame you. (laughs) Um, So you're going over on both. Yeah, I think over on both. I think Rebs. Nine and a half for Ole Miss. Mm -hmm. We've talked about their two toughest games are at LSU and Georgia at home. I think those are two losses. Uh, Okay. And then Mississippi State is four and a half. And so can they find four non-conference and and one SEC win? Or I guess you could even run the numbers three non-conference and two SEC wins. Um, Their non-conference game is at Arizona State, who's not... A powerhouse by any stretch. Ole Miss goes to Wake. That's a dub. So you got, you'll give the dubs to state against Eastern Kentucky. Yes. I'm guessing Arizona State. Uh, I'm going to give them the dub right now. 
Okay. They it, they could lose it, but I'm going to go with the win. It's not like I think 80-20, but I think they should win the game. Okay, yeah. So that's two. Um, Jason Candle at Toledo. Watch out. He's a firecracker. Okay. Uh, Toledo coming into town on September 14th. He has 14th. actually done a good job. Yeah, he has. Um, and then you got Florida in Starkville. That could be a coin toss. What do you think? Oh, I think Mississippi State's got a chance to win that. Okay. Yeah. So so let's just say, let's say four wins there. And then you got... Whoa, whoa. Let's All right, say, go ahead. Let's say that's four, if you're counting Florida, because you got three. Um, so if you're counting Florida, then four. Then you got Texas at Texas. No. That's a no. Uh, you got Georgia in Athens. That's a no. That's a no. Um, then you got A&M at home. That's probably a no. Probably a no. Mm-hmm. Arkansas at home. Uh, that is a very winnable game. So that could put State at five right there. Okay. Let's keep going. That could put State at five. Then you got UMass. That's so enough. That's Starkville, so that's six. Okay. Got Tennessee at Knoxville. That's that's a loss. I don't see them winning that game, but they make... Yeah, Tennessee's going to be favored. I'd put... Yeah. 65-35. I'm so, doing a percentage there. So then you've got Missouri at home. Mizzou at home. How many wins are we on? Six. So right now, you got six wins. The four non-cons, we're counting Arkansas, and and we're counting Florida. Now, Florida's more of a coin toss than Arkansas. Heck yeah, it is. None of them are guaranteed. Uh, Missouri at home. I'd give Missouri a 60-40 edge. Okay, so we'll count that as a loss. And then Rebs on the road, Egg Bowl. I do not see that being a dub. Okay, so even though the last time they were there, they won. Very true. So six and six, and you can cycle in and out Florida or Missouri. Okay, because I feel like those are your two real rubber games. God, you don't have enough swing games in that in that mm-hmm. schedule. Pulling at Texas and at Georgia and at Ole Miss is just a terrible deal for Jeff Levy. But you don't play at Auburn. Texas at Georgia at Ole Miss. Did I get that right? Yes. Okay. At Ole, yeah, at Ole Miss. And then you also got at Tennessee, which is no cakewalk. But kneeling, at Texas, bumping. at Georgia, at Tennessee, at Ole Miss. So you're mm-hmm. really playing with... Usually you're really playing with eight games, trying to go over four and a half. Yes, I'm going over. Going over? Yep. I'm going over. I would, see, I take that. I, I think that's very likely. Because in order to go under, to go under four and a half, you don't win a single conference game? Or you lose, you beat Arkansas and lose to Arizona State? I don't see that happening. Ah, uh, I see where you're going. I Arizona just, State's critical for that four and a half over. Mm-hmm. And then you got to And it's get early. That. Did you say it's week two? Yes, it's week That's two. That's unfortunate. Septem- Lemmy would like to have, um, you know, Keith Carter is like, the guy right now in the state of Mississippi. And whoever's doing the old Miss scheduling, they go four in a row, four non-cons in a row to start the year. Then Kentucky and South Carolina. I mean, neither team in the top 10 in the SEC, right? And so that's, that's ideal right there. Levy would have rather have had Eastern Kentucky than UMass, then Toledo, then at Arizona State. How about that? 
yeah. just to get, you know, get some grease on the wheels. No for, doubt. For Blake Shapin and and the uh, Mississippi State defense. New system. I mean, new schemes. Just, you know, stretch the legs a little bit. But, hey, right into the fire, right into Tempe, Arizona. Tempe, Arizona. I have not been out there in a while. Wow. All right, the Out of Bounds Show is brought to you by Independent Roofing Systems. Number one commercial, industrial roofing company in Mississippi. Doing it right the first time is brought to you by Independent Roofing Systems. Roofing.ms. Also, the show is brought to you by Superior Foundation for all your foundation repairs. Superior.ms. Good morning. Welcome in. I'm your host, Bo Bounds. I've got Jason with me. No Captain Rodney's for Jason yesterday, but there's still time this week. Jeff Duncan, NFL Insider, NOLA.com, coming up next. Jeff Duncan. NOLA.com has covered the NFL for over 25 years. He joins us on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. What a game last night as the Chiefs go back-to-back and they repeat for the first time since 04-05 New England Patriots. 25-22 win over the 49ers. We are the Out of Bounds Show. We're driven by your next Ford F-150 truck at Mack Hike Ford. I-55 North in Jackson, pre-owned or new Ford F-150 trucks. You know where to go. Mack Hike Ford, I-55 North in Jackson. Jeff Duncan, good morning. How many people did you watch the uh, Super Bowl with? Uh, Just a small gathering, actually, Bo. Um, I like to kind of focus on the game, if you will. So I try to keep it it low and and not get too too much of a festivity going around around the game itself. Fair enough. We're debating today Stone Cold Chris Jones. Um, he's from right up the road and played at Mississippi State. And um, he has been a really, really good player for years now. That's his third Lombardi trophy. Um, he disrupts, as you know, um, and quarterbacks don't like him. Did With what he did in the postseason this year and his career overall, do you think he's done enough to go to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Jeff? Well, that's you know, it's a good question. I think he's certainly entering into the conversation. Um, I don't know if it's quite enough yet, just being in that room and 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 dealing with the great players and, and their resumes. Um I think he probably is definitely gonna make it, but it, how long has he played now? How many years do we know, Bo? So his last year at Mississippi State was the 2015 season. So 2016 was his first in the NFL. Okay, yeah, five so Pro Bowls, probably long enough. Yeah, I think the kind of genuine cutoff we always feel like would be like a Tony Baselli, uh, you know, who who had a shortened career because of injuries. I think he played six years, so he's exceeded that. It would be hard to deny uh, Jones. Uh, you know, there's so many factors that go in two Hall of Fame uh, credentials, uh, in addition to Super Bowls, uh, you know, all pro teams, Did you know, do you make an all-decade team? Uh, have you, you know, been a multi, obviously, pro bowler and been a part of successful teams? 
all those kind of things. Are you durable? And I'm a big believer in leadership. I, I, we're not supposed to evaluate anything other than play on the field, but I, I don't. I, I, I try to evaluate some of the intangibles because that's part of the core principles of the Hall of Fame is integrity, commitment, uh, leadership. And, and I think Chris Jones, it, we saw it yesterday in the game, uh, him on the sidelines taking control of his defense and then the way he responded in the game. I mean, he was the most dominant player, arguably even more so than Patrick Mahomes for much of the game. Uh, so I certainly think he's etched his legacy in, in Hall of Fame worthiness. So five Pro Bowls, three Lombardi trophies for Chris Jones, and you would think he's got, you know, at least another two to four years um, in the league, and what a run for him. We're visiting with Jeff Duncan, who is a Hall of Fame voter for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and he NOLA.com, he joins us on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. Okay, you know sports fans love to debate this stuff. You may eye roll it, but I got to throw it out to you because we got into it earlier. Kelsey or Gronk, who's better, according to Jeff Duncan? Me, I still think Rob Gronkowski. I'll, I'll say that. I mean, they're a little bit different kind of player. Uh, Rob Gronkowski, I think, was a little more of a complete player than Kelsey. But Kelsey, I think, definitely more of a home run threat, receiving threat. Uh, but I just think an all-around play, Rob Gronkowski redefined the position. And uh, But, man, it's a... It is a strong argument on both sides. And I think we've seen the last 10, 15 years better tight ends come into this league because of the way guys like Andy Reid have used Kelsey, the way Belichick and his group used, uh, you know, Gronkowski. That's become a premier position. And I was really, to be honest with you, getting off subject here a little bit, but really flummoxed in what the 49ers were doing with George Kill. I mean, he was a non-factor, and he's been an incredible player all season for his career. And I don't know if that was Kansas city's defense or them just going away from him, but it certainly was confusing. But that was my next question. Kittle two two receptions for four yards on the biggest stage, yeah. as good as he is. I am um, Jeff. I would have lost a lot of money. If you'd have told me that was going to happen. And Bo, I thought, I thought Tony Romo made some great points. I mean, the, the 49ers over and over kept trying to, attack into the teeth of the Kansas City defense, which is their corners, Legereus Sneed and McDuffie, uh, and did not go to the weakness, which is the linebacker play, and you could really have attacked that with not only they did use McCaffrey in that role, but they didn't go to the tight end and Kittle. And I'm sure that Kyle Shanahan is going to get questioned on that going forward, and it might continue to haunt him because I thought some of his – game planning, especially play calling when they got in the red zone, got a little conservative. And as you know, I mean, one thing I've learned from Sean Payton, he would have taken into account in the calling of the game from his standpoint on offense that on the other sideline was the best player in the game. And and that factors in. That's why they onside kicked in the Super Bowl against the Colts. They took a possession away from Peyton Manning. They knew how great he is. And that was the whole impetus behind that. And that's, I'm sure, would have been Sean Payton saying, we're not going to let Patrick Mahomes beat us. We're going to go for a touchdown here. We're going to pass it. We're going to win this game here. And I thought Shanahan got a little conservative. I agree. Jeff Duncan, NFL insider, Pro Football Hall of Fame voter, NOLA.com. He joins us on ESPN 105.9 The Zone. Uh, You mentioned Romo. Um, 
the big thing to do now is to hammer people on social media. And I like Romo. I think he's very talented. Um, some people say every now and then he goes over the top. Um, a little too much flair, showbiz, and energy. However, I thought he was fantastic last night. What did you think, Jeff? Yeah, I did too. I've seen some criticism of him, but you're right, Bo. It just feels like that's you can't win, right, in, in social media anymore. So um, I thought he did a terrific job. I thought the game was terrific. It was competitive. I mean, it wasn't the greatest Super Bowl ever, but it was very competitive, and it felt like a game – that was just hanging in the balance for some big play to kind of tip the scales. And it kind of happened once they fumbled the punt. The 49ers did that muff punt. I thought really kind of gave momentum and life and energy to the Chiefs' sidelines. They were frustrated at that point. And I thought I thought they did a good job of kind of step, stepping back and letting the game kind of, you know, take the viewer where it did instead of trying to over – uh, analyze. So I'm a big Romo fan. I think Greg Olson's great too. Yes. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm really e- eager and interested to see how Tom Brady does in that role. I can't wait. I, uh, I lean toward he'll be great. Um, I heard Brian Fisher from the ringer talking about his prep and how focused he's going to be the next, you know, six months on learning and, and getting coached up, I guess, so to speak. I think he'll be outstanding, but uh, I'm eager to see that too. So, as you know, I, I asked you this a couple of weeks ago, and you walked us through, and it was great, and it was awesome on the podcast. You walked us through Steve Spagnola, and many people, and Strahan's talked about this, him being the architect of the 2007 New York Giants Super Bowl, and then the fact that he was in New Orleans the year Sean was suspended, so they, they didn't get to connect in Jihaw. Now he gets his fourth Lombardi trophy as the defensive coordinator for the Chiefs. Is he the best postseason defensive coordinator in the history of the NFL? I don't see how you could argue otherwise. Uh, you know, I thought he actually was the difference in the game last yes. night, how they adjusted. Uh, you know, Really, the, the Niners were in great rhythm early on offensively, if not for that fumble by McCaffrey. I thought uh, you know, Purdy looked in control and very confident. And you could just see the adjustments as it went on. The second half, the third quarter alone, the Chiefs dominated. So you have to give Spagnuolo credit. The, the, when you start seeing offenses and quarterbacks like Purdy look uncomfortable holding the ball, that's because of the scheme, because of confusion they're causing at the quarterback position. That's the key to stopping great passing attacks is disrupting their timing. Um, and that's what – Spagnola did, and he did it without giving up anything. That was the other thing. I mean, lots of times when you come after a quarterback's way he likes to do, you make yourself vulnerable on the back end for an explosive play. They just did not give those up, and that's just incredibly well-coached defense. And I'm sure Sean Payton, if he, you know, you got him down and talked to him now, he would admit that's a huge mistake that he made. That was back when Payton was very impulsive, kind of impetuous, right after the Bounty Gate season of suspension. And I think he's a much better coach now, much more mature. But those were back in his days when he was still kind of the renegade and uh, made decisions like that that I, I think he'd regret today. All right. I want to uh, switch gears here for a second and talk about this new Hall of Fame class. Jeff Duncan, NOLA.com, Saints, NFL Insider. 
joining us on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. Patrick Willis. He played at Ole Miss. His story's amazing. He was not highly recruited, Jeff. He was on some bad Ole Miss teams. But he was unbelievable. Then he goes out to the San Francisco 49ers and has a great career. Um, when when you were looking at the whole thing, I mean, just give me your – you covered him. Um, obviously, the Saints and 49ers had an unbelievable playoff game out in the Bay Area years ago, especially the last, goodness, four, four or five minutes of the game. Um, that one kind of broke my heart. But just your thoughts on Patrick Willis as a player and linebacker in the NFL. Yeah, look, I definitely voted for Patrick Willis. I thought he was kind of a no-brainer choice. Uh, he, he kind of defines what I look for in a Hall of Fame candidate. You know, were you the dominant player at your position for an extended period of time? Now, how you define that depends on your own personal take. I, I like to say if you were the best player in your position for most of a decade – Going a full decade is difficult because it's such a violent game. But he certainly qualified for that in multiple Pro Bowls, multiple All-Pros. And a lot of times I feel like we put too much weight on a team sport, on you know in the, uh, team accomplishments. It's not Patrick Willis' fault that he got drafted by the Niners and ended up in a bad period for that team. Uh, just like it's you know not the fault of Tony Baselli who ended up in Jacksonville, um, so I've never tried to put too much stock into, especially for a linebacker or an offensive lineman, on Super Bowls. So that that was out of the equation. I thought he was a no-brainer. I thought this was a very tough year uh, as a voter. Uh, I thought the five that that ended up making the modern day finalist list were all worthy, but I think you could have rotated in three or four others and wouldn't have had any argument. We. Can you share those names that just come up, you know, off the top of your head? Two, three, four names? Well, um, yeah, well, Antonio Gates, certainly. Uh, I, I saw that debate. Yeah. He'll be in the Hall of Fame. There's no question. And, look, I voted. I presented Jari Evans. And I was just kind of, to be honest with you, stunned he, at the lack of interest in putting him in the Hall of Fame from my fellow voters. I, I've got a lot of work to do there because – uh, he was the dominant interior offensive lineman in the league for a decade and led, you know, he's the other player other than Drew Brees on those Sean Payton, uh, you know, Drew Brees dominant offenses, won a Super Bowl, set 17 NFL records, Bo, 17 NFL records, not, oh. not Saints records, NFL records. One of the greatest offenses in the history of the game, I argue the best. He's the only other Hall of Fame worthy player on the team other than Drew Brees. You're, you're telling me Drew Brees and Sean Payton did all that by themselves with not great talent around them. So we've got to, we've got to work on that. Actually, I talked to Payton about it last uh, week. I talked to Nikki Loomis. We've got to get the word out. I think we're fighting a little bit of a battle in perception and also the small market Yes, that we are here in New Orleans. Yes. But we've got to get the word out about how dominant Jari Evans was. Wow, that's a great point. Jeff Duncan, NOLA.com, on the Out of Bounds show. Okay, uh, Jason is jumping up and down in his chair. He's a Minnesota Vikings fan. Um, Jared Allen, where do you stand there, Jeff? Well, I definitely think he belongs in the Hall of Fame. I, I don't think he, I, I didn't vote for him over the five that got in and Jari Evans, just because I think he's a little bit lower in terms of credentials. Uh, but Jared Allen's a Hall of Famer, and it, that's the problem we have is that we're only allowed to vote on five. 
So, you know, people have to understand when we're voting in that room, we have limitations. We can't put everybody in. And it's hard to say, yes, he deserves to be in over someone else. And then you have someone like Reggie Wayne, who's now been on the ballot for, I mean, he's been a finalist for eight years and he's not in, you know, it's a long wait. Wow. And we've got even more competition. I don't know all the first ballot eligible players next year, but I know Eli Manning is one of them. Luke Keekley is one of them, Adam Benateri. So it's going to even be more competitive next year. This year was a little less competitive when you didn't have a ton of first ballot shoe-ins. Julius Peppers, in my opinion, was the only just shoe-in first ballot guy. Even Antonio Gates didn't make it. But you're going to have Gates back on the card next year, Jari Evans, Reggie Wayne, Jared Allen. I mean, it's going to be tough. Wow. Okay, Jeff Duncan, Hall of Fame voter. Do you think Eli Manning's a slam dunk first first ballot? No, I don't think he'll get in first ballot. And I think because it's not strictly about Super Bowls, I think we've kind of gotten to that point in the – I don't think anybody looked at Eli Manning when he played, as great as he was, and said he's the best quarterback in the NFL ever. I don't know if he ever was. And I don't even know if you'd say he was the best quarterback in the NFC during his period. He won. He played great in the Super Bowl, and that counts for something. That's part of the matrix. But I don't think it's the end all, be all. And just like Jim Plunkett, who won two Super Bowls, uh, is still not in the Hall of Fame. Now, I would argue Eli was had a better career than Plunkett overall. But I think Eli's going to have to wait. But he's definitely going to get in. There's no doubt in my mind. You talked about Steve McNair. You may not remember this, but you you talked about Steve McNair with us. A couple of years ago and I almost my takeaway was that you felt like you know he was underrated that he was so talented um and I I, we always do this you know what would McNair have been with a Sean Payton Kyle Shanahan you know LaFleur and because I just Fisher to me kind of suffocated his offensive talent but you may disagree um you know Obviously, you think the world of McNair's talent and play on the field, right, Jeff? Oh, 100%. Uh, you know, look, I, the thing I've always said that separates the great players, the great quarterbacks from, you know, this the very good ones or the good ones is how they elevate the play of the players around them. And look at what Steve McNair did at Alcorn State, right? I mean, he couldn't have been surrounded by – that great a talent, and he just lifted that program to heights it hadn't seen in so long. Then he comes to Tennessee and basically a startup operation and does the same in Tennessee. Uh, That is the sign, in my opinion, of greatness. Look at Drew Brees here in New Orleans. Uh, You know, look at what he did at Purdue. We took him to the Rose Bowl. They hadn't been in 60 years before that. They haven't been back. Uh, You know, comes here, wins the Super Bowl. They fall off the charts as soon as he leaves. That's what great – players, especially great quarterbacks do. Uh, and, and that's why I always have trouble when I hear this argument a lot of times. It, it, can, it, it can apply to basketball or football. Oh, he doesn't have the talent around him. That's the excuse they make. Well, if you're truly great, you raise up. You 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 lift the strengths. You play to the strengths of your, of your teammates and you cover up their weaknesses. I saw Drew Brees do that with undrafted free agent receivers, you know, seventh-round draft pick Marcus Colston. Uh, they play to their strengths, and they lift everybody else up. And I thought McNair did that. And I totally agree with you in that if he would have played in today's era, 
with the wide open game, playing to the quarterback's mobility, uh, he would have been truly dominant. Woo. Uh, and should he be in the Hall of Fame? I don't think so, no. I think he falls just short. And, and look, I say that as a huge Steve McNair fan, but just if you look at his overall body of work, uh, I think it falls into the Hall of very, very good. You know, just But it's the Hall of Fame, and that's what I try to tell people all the time. I mean, we're talking about the greatest players in the history of the game, and there's a lot that goes into that, uh, including success on the field, unfortunately, but it has to be factored in. And um, I just don't think he quite measured up when you look at the totality of his career. Okay, fair enough. Jeff Duncan, NOLA.com, on the Out of Bounds show. Jeff, thanks so much for hanging out with us on a uh, Super Bowl Monday. What, so what's, uh, what's the schedule here? I mean, do you take a little time off? What's coming up? I know you're... You're covering the Saints and doing some other things. What's going on here the next few weeks for Jeff Duncan? Well, look, I'm sure the Saints sometime this week are going to introduce Clint Kubiak as the, officially as the offensive coordinator. So we're hoping to have a press conference for that. That wasn't the greatest resume tape that he put on put out there yesterday. I mean, he wasn't the offensive coordinator, but uh, I thought their offense was sporadic. And then, look, I'm writing a column today about today. This morning in Las Vegas, the entire New Orleans Super Bowl contingent is out there, and they're going to participate in the handoff ceremony with Roger Goodell as they take the torch from Las Vegas. And we start the clock on the New Orleans Super Bowl next year. So I want to talk about the the competition that we've got now. I mean, it's not just Las Vegas, but Nashville, once they build that new stadium, they're going to be in the mix for Super Bowls. Obviously, Los Angeles is a regular in the rotation. It's become more competitive than ever. And if we want to continue to have Super Bowls here, we've got to raise our game in New Orleans and and I'm sure we will this year. I heard great things, but it's not getting easier and it's going to be more competitive than ever. No, it is not. And I think that is so cool that it's two and a half hours down the road ish, but man, um, that's a great point. And you mentioned that a couple of weeks ago that the contingent was out in Vegas and they've got to raise the bar once again. Um, all right, Jeff Duncan, be good. We got to do this again in a month or so. We appreciate you. Okay. Yep, let me let me know, Bo, and thanks for having me on, buddy. Take care. Jeff Duncan, NFL Insider, Pro Football Hall of Fame voter, SaintsInsiderNola.com. He joins us on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. Jason, that was fun. Started off a little stone cold Chris Jones and worked our way through the Super Bowl. And then we got into this class and Patrick Willis, mm-hmm. your old Miss Rebel, who's a great player, great player at Ole Miss, great player with the 49ers. Uh, basically Jeff Duncan said that was easy the way he played over a, at least definitely a four or five year stretch Oh yeah, of, uh, dominance. Eventually they, they got good out there when Harbaugh came in and resurrected the franchise. They kind of took the jugular from the saints that year in that crazy, I don't know if you remember it, crazy playoff game out in San Francisco, um, where they scored like, I felt like. 20 points or 20-something points in the last few minutes of the game, back and forth down the field. Um, but Patrick Willis going in, Devin Hester, Dwight Freeney, and... Julius uh, Peppers? Well, he said the slam dunk was Julius Peppers. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Yes, he said the slam dunk, no doubt, no debate, was Julius Peppers for this year. The other's all worthy, but Julius Peppers with the uh, with the slam dunk. Eli Manning will be eligible next year? I asked him about first mm-hmm. ballot. He said no. Yeah, that's what I wanted to. I wanted to see what you thought of that. 
If you, I feel like you agree. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, there were two guys that we've asked who are close to the Mannings and, clo- and two of the biggest New Orleans media. Mike Natelier and Jeff Duncan have both said he will get in, but he won't be first ballot. Even Jeff said he didn't think he was the best in the NFC at any time in his career. Wow. Now that's, he, that's big. Well, there was some good quarterbacks yeah, going yeah. through. <laughs> of course. During that time. But he's got the two Lombardis. Uh, we're live in the Bank Plus studio. Let's go lunch today brought to you by Burgers, Blues, and Barbecue in Dogwood. Jason, they are now open. Their newest restaurant is in Dogwood in Flowood. Fantastic food from the smoked chicken to the burgers to the nachos and fried pickles. Burgers, Blues, and Barbecue. Now open in Dogwood right by Chipotle. B3 in Dogwood in Flowood. Hour number three coming up. We're supposed to have Dan Fouts, one of my favorite quarterbacks of all time who played for the Chargers at 930 on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line.